0: all right let's bow our heads one more time and we'll pray over the word dear gracious heavenly father we thank you praise you and we appreciate you god i'm asking that you would give me clarity of thought god wisdom in my speech god that you would speak through my mouth think through my mind god that you would illuminate the hearts of the listeners as well as the ears of the listeners because he that hath this uh, ear let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church god i thank you that no one's coming be in vain and revel like knowledge will flow freely unhindered uninterrupted and unchecked by any satanic or demonic forces and we thank you for it in Jesus name if you believe it just say amen amen Amen. Amen. come on with our Bibles in our hands or whatever you connect to the word of God with even if you're online you can say this with us this is my Bible Bible. I I am what it says I am I can do what it says I can do I will have what it says I will have. have have. I'm a part of Delivered Simple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, teach me this word. Come on, put your hands together again. All right, so I've got a lot of information to cover, so I'm going to try to just, uh, roll right into it. Didn't get any fancy title today. It's just simple, biblical black history. So that's where we're going. I'm going to show you how I'm going to lay out, uh, kind of give you a, a peek into my outline, how I'm working it. So I'm going to pop up a title of a point that I'm going to be working on. Then there's going to be a statement after that title. Then there's going to be a quote. And then after that is going to be either article or scriptures. So I'm, I'm using a lot of articles too, because if I just use my words, it could sound like, uh, I'm just saying things myself, so I have to find other sources to kind of back me up, as well as utilizing Scripture. So, let's put that up one more time, just so you know how we're going. I'm going to pop up a title of a point. I'm going to hit us with a statement. Then I'm going to hit us with a quote. Then I'm going to hit us with an article or Scripture to bring home the point. All right, so the very first point that I'm going to bring up is a point called colorblind. Colorblind. Somebody say that. Say colorblind. All right, let's bring up this statement. This statement is very important. Color does not matter to our salvation, but it does matter to our witness. Color has nothing to do with your salvation. Black history has nothing to do with your salvation. Your ethnicity has nothing to to do with your salvation. But it does matter to our witness because we are witnessing to other people. So if we get the color thing wrong, even though it doesn't affect your salvation, it can affect other people wanting to serve the God that we serve. Give you a quick uh, example of that. People always will point to the time of slavery and they will point to the Christians and the churches who did nothing and said nothing. And they will wonder why they didn't do anything or say anything. And then they will say, I can't serve a God where there's churches who wouldn't have said anything about these atrocities. So the problem is a lot of things do not affect our salvation But when we don't talk about it, when we don't preach on it, when we don't teach on it, when we don't understand it, it hurts our witness because people are looking to us and the church is supposed to be the answer because we have the answer. So I'll say that one more time before I move on and then I'll give us a quote. Color does not matter to our salvation, but it does matter to our witness. So it is important. That's why I would take time to preach on it today. All right, here's the quote for it. To be colorblind is to be blind to the uniting power of the gospel. This is spoken by Cole Brown. So to say that you are colorblind, I know people say it in a way that they mean it well, but I don't see color. That's problematic, actually, because I need you to see my color So that when my color needs to be focused on, it can be brought to attention, but that doesn't mean it stops or changes anything. In other words, if you're white, you can celebrate my blackness. If I'm black, I can celebrate your whiteness. If you are what they call uh, yellow, I can celebrate your yellowness. So I, I, I don't have to pretend I don't see you. I see you, and I can celebrate what you are without diminishing who I am. So when I bought a black car, I, had, I, I, I hadn't had very many black cars. So the Cadillac I drive now is a black car. It made me notice other black cars. So I notice other black cars, but specifically in my car that I have, I've noticed some other colors that I like. Ooh, that's a nice color. I kind of like that color car because it's my same car, but it's a different color. I kind of like that color. But guess what I don't do? I don't diminish my color just because I like the other color. When I see a blue and I say, man, that looks good in blue, but that doesn't mean it doesn't look good in black, too. I celebrate my blackness as well as their blueness, and we both can be celebrated. Some people think that if I celebrate you, I'm diminishing me, and that's why people don't hand out celebration that well. But you're a small-minded person when you think celebrating somebody else somehow diminishes you. No, actually, if I celebrate you, it lifts me up. It elevates me. So understanding that should help us understand how we're moving forward. So let me say it again. To be colorblind is to be blind to the uniting power of the gospel. So now I'm going to give us some things from an uh, article, and then we'll move into scripture. Here, here's something that was written. Colorblindness is the racial ideology that posits the best way to end discrimination is by treating individuals as equally as possible, without regard to race, culture, or ethnicity, Monica Williams. Now, <coughs> let, I, I'll just before I explain it, I'll just go to the next thing. At face value, that appears good, but this belief amounts to a dismissal of the lived experiences of people of color, but also suggests that racism does not exist so long as one ignores it. Here's the problem with the idea of colorblindness is it's nothing wrong with treating everybody equally, but when you try to make everybody and everything the same, it diminishes who they are. I'll, I'll flip it from race and talk about gender. I am a man. I can't change that. I am a man. Well, I guess now I can change it, but y'all know what I'm talking about. I am a man. And so there are things about me that is not like a woman. So I celebrate the woman. I don't have to treat her like a man. I can treat her like a woman because there are differences. But the differences have a way of making us... uh more elevated together. In other words, when a man and a woman come together, there's a beauty of life that can come out of it, but you have to be able to celebrate the differences. So in church specifically, we try to make people so equal that we don't celebrate or even understand the differences. Let let me, let me get it out of race and gender and let me talk about economics. If you have a rich man, and a poor man and the poor man is begging for food and the rich man has food and says well we are all equal in God so I'm praying for you no don't pray for me give me some money or give me some food because you're in a different position than I am and what you can do you can actually elevate me but if you pretend like you don't see me you cannot really be my family you can't love me if you don't see me. So don't try to make us so equal that you don't see me. When I'm struggling, I want somebody to see me. When I'm hurting, I want somebody to see me. And when you see someone who's hurting or struggling, like we talked about with a, with a person in a fire, it should touch your humanity. So equality is very much important because we are all equal but that doesn't mean we all have the same lived experiences and we can learn from each other. All right, let's keep, keep going. However, within the context of enduring structural and systematic racism, racial colorblindness serves as a device to disengage from conversations of race and racism entirely. This is Maurice Asari. So what has happened specifically in the church Because we want to uplift Jesus and we want to uplift the cross, which is what we should always be doing, sometimes there are certain issues that we have been quiet about that we shouldn't have been quiet about. The reason why the world is so mixed up on race is because the church wouldn't teach it properly. We should have been the ones showing people how to go along and get along, but they still say the most segregated hour is still Sunday morning in America because everybody else can be diverse, but when it comes to church folk, we just don't know how to come together. And the reason why we don't know how to come together because they won't take time to talk about it from the pulpit because it's not spiritual enough. Anything that is messing the world up is spiritual enough because Jesus has the answer, and we need to talk about it and show people the correct and proper way. So let me make this point plain. Do not be afraid of tough subjects as a Christian. Do not back up from them because you might have the answer. Just uh, for example, last couple of weeks I've been t- talking about sex, dating, marriage, relationships. That is not easy stuff to preach for me. It's awkward. It's awkward for me to get up here and talk about the things that I was talking about. But it's necessary. I had to talk with my kids about it, and it was more awkward for me than it was for them, but it's necessary because if I don't talk to them about it, somebody else will. And so when it comes to anything, not just sex, but when it comes to racism, when it comes to money, when it comes to any issue that the world is dealing with, if we don't talk about it from a biblical perspective, we are leaving up interpretation and what we're doing. We're creating a vacuum where the enemy will step in. So one thing you can count on me, even if it's uncomfortable, I'm going to talk about it. Even if when I leave, I'm like, whoo, I'm, I'm glad you got me done with this. I remember uh, several years ago, I preached like a five or six, uh, uh, six six sermon series on sex. And I was so tired of talking about that. I was preaching it, but I was so tired. I was like, God, I'm so sick of this. Because it's just uncomfortable. But it's my job to be uncomfortable so you can grow and be the people you need to be. So guess what? This is an uncomfortable subject for me to talk about. Why? Because we don't just have black people in this church. We got black and white. We try to love everybody. So it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary. All right, let's, let's continue to read. Here's, here's, here's the, the, the point that she's making in this statement. The alternative to colorblindness is multiculturalism, an ideology that acknowledges, highlights, And celebrates ethno-racial differences. Ethno-racial is a new word, a word that I hadn't even heard of because, uh, and I love the word because what they're saying is ethnicity is important. It's more important than race. So they put it front. They call it ethno- racial. So it didn't happen until later in years that people made a big deal about race. When you look in the Bible, it doesn't talk about race. It talks about ethnicity. So People's ethnicity is important. A white German and a white Italian, they may be called white, but they're different. They operate different. A white person from Scotland is different from a white person from Australia. Now with us as blacks, because many of us came through this transatlantic slave trade, we have a lot of similarities, but when you dig into our history, we are not the same. We are different. So it's good to celebrate your differences because it is from the differences that we become unique. I'm going to give you a a good example that you're looking at right this moment. So the majority of everything, you can tell the color scheme of this church is purple. But if I always, 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 always wore purple, it would be Boring. It would never be unique. So even though the majority is purple, what I'm doing right now, I'm highlighting the red and the gold and I'm causing our focus to be on red, even though it's purple. Because what I'm doing is I'm celebrating something that is different. It's not the majority, but it's different and it's unique and I'm bringing it out. So that you can focus on it. And when you focus on it, guess what it doesn't do? It doesn't diminish anything in here that's purple. It doesn't change the purple carpet, doesn't change the purple chairs, doesn't change the purple pulpit. All that stuff is still the same. All it does is it highlights something different. If all of your children were alike, it'd be a boring household. Anybody who has more than one child knows they are similar, but they're totally different. Even twins are different because God is a God of diversity. He don't want nothing alike. And I'm the same way. I don't want anything alike. If I ate at Outback yesterday, I don't want Outback today. Or if I do go to Outback today, I don't want to eat the same thing I ate yesterday. Some people will eat the same thing, but I'm not like that. I like something different. I like something unique. I don't want to see the same thing all the time. That's why I travel and go places. I want to see something diverse. God is so big and he's so diverse and he created us that way. And what we got to do, we have to celebrate our diversity, our uniqueness without diminishing each other. All right, now let's get into the scripture. And this this, this will help us even further. Galatians 3.26, would you read that?
1: For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. I had these two things highlighted because it's
0: important that it starts off by talking about individual. And then it starts talking collective. Put it back up for just a second. So you is individual. And then it says all all is collective. For in Christ Jesus, you are all individual and collective. That is God's goal and mindset. We are all individuals. We are not the same, but we come together. We unite together. In other words, I don't want to be you for you to like me, and you shouldn't want to be me for me to like you, but we should be able to come together. It's you, then all. That's the goal. Let's read Again, Galatians 3.27.
1: For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ.
0: So it goes from many, which is collective, to you, which is singular. It's singular. It says when you were baptized into Christ, you actually put on Christ. I got a perfect example that, that can help us. If all of us right now. Would we'll go and excuse my terminology, walk into the Raggedy Muncie Mall because we know it's going downhill fast. But if we all would go in the Muncie Mall and we would all wear Deliverance Temple T-shirts, everybody looking at us would say, "Ah, oh, man, I wonder, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what they're about." And if you would do that, if you've ever been in a place like where all your family is dressed like, people ask you, "Like, hey, where are y'all from?" Because, but it's not that everybody's the same, but they all put on. The same thing. So if we all go to the mall dressed Deliverance delivers t-shirts, I'm not automatically going to look like Mother Rankin. Mother Rankin's not automatically going to look like me in, in our features, but what we put on is going to show we are connected. Yeah. See, if I'm black in Christ and you're white in Christ and you're Mexican in Christ because we put on Christ, everybody ought to know them folk are together. They may be different, but they are together. If I'm rich and you're poor and we both put on Christ, people ought to understand. I don't know how they're going to fix the difference between him being rich and him being poor. But one thing I do know, them folk are together. And the problem with the church is we haven't put on Christ because we put on so much other junk that the world looks at us and they have no idea what Jesus is like. But the Bible says when we were baptized into Christ, we actually put on Christ. Yes, it was many, but the many became the one. All right, let's, let, let's read a little further. Galatians
1: 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all. One in Christ. This is Jesus. a powerful verse, but people have used this verse to knock down
0: diversity because it said there is no Greek and there is no Jew. You are all one in Christ. No, it doesn't mean that there is none, it means that we put all that down to become unified in Christ. The example of that is what we call the Trinity there is God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me God the Son is not important because he is. Don't tell me God the Holy Spirit is not important because he is. Don't tell me God the Father is not important because he is. They are important individually, but they come together to become the Godhead. Yes. And I am important with my bald-headed black self. And you are important with your bald-headed weave self too. But when we come Together, we are more important. I don't have to change me to come with you. But when we come and we believe in the same Christ, we believe in the same blood of the Lamb, we believe in the power of the Holy Ghost, there's so many things we can do when we come together. Not only, now we, we've been doing really well in Muncie in this, especially among some of the African-American churches. But not only is Sunday the most segregated time, but trying to get churches to work together is almost like World War III. You, you, you can get gangs to come together quicker than you can get some churches. And I don't understand it. It's something wrong with our mind because we feel like we're going to lose our individuality. If I hook up with union, we will no longer be delivered simple. No, I, we will always be the DT. Yes. They will always be union, but we can work together. Yes. All right, let's, let's bring up this quote, and then I'm, I'm going to uh, take us even a little deeper. The basis for unity is not Similarity. The basis for our unity is Christ. I don't have to be you. You don't have to be me. I don't have to uh, change my blackness. You don't have to change whatever ethnicity you are. But what we do, we come together in Christ. But... America tried to teach us that. They've done a bad job, but they tried to teach us that years ago. When they first started the country, there was a motto that is stripped straight from the scripture. I don't know if they knew they stripped it straight from the scripture, but let's put it up. It's on some coins still today. Let's put this picture up. It's e pluribus unum. It's a Latin, Latin phrase that used to be the motto of America until later they changed it to in God we trust. But you will still see that every now and then, e pluribus unum, you'll see that on some coins. And it's a Latin phrase that means out of many, one. And what that means, they were saying we are several different states. But out of these different states, we are the United States of America. So even though Texas is bigger than Indiana, we still are America. Now, Indiana did not have to uh, downplay Texas. Texas did not have to downplay Indiana. But all we have to do is understand we are together. If the United States was acting more like the divided states, if they have enough sense to at least say we're supposed to be together, what about the Christians? Amen. Can we come together? All right, so we don't want to be colorblind. Let's move on to this next one. And we don't want to be colorless. Let's put up the statement for colorless while we don't get caught up in the cares of this world anything this world cares about can affect our message we don't get or we shouldn't <coughs> i should should say we shouldn't but we shouldn't get caught up in the politics the democrats the republicans the fight between the conservatives and the liberals the fight between this, that, and the other. We shouldn't get caught up, but if they care about it in the world, it will hurt our message if we don't have an alternate to it. The problem is, while everybody was fighting Democrats and Republicans, churches was doing the same thing. Churches, I'm to be honest, I was disgusted looking at the last year's And looking at what we've done in the political scene. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. It's been absolutely ridiculous. I've been in, in meetings where people are at each other's throat over stuff that's going on in the world. So what are we supposed to do about that as Deliverance Temple? We're supposed to rise above all that junk. Now, I may never vote like you vote. But we still ought to be able to work along, get along, go along, and love each other. Uh, We should not devalue ourselves so much that we get caught up in what the world gets caught up in. But we ought to show an alternate route. We ought to show something different. And here's the thing that I've learned. When you don't give people an alternate route, they'll keep traveling down the same road. When you don't show them a better way. So this is a message to to the church that we got to get our act together. Here's a quote. Stripping away or minimizing color and culture robs us of the true beauty in the masterpiece that God is painting. I'm going to read it again. Stripping away or minimizing color and culture robs us of the true beauty in the masterpiece that God is painting. It says the quote, it says unknown. But I can tell you that whoever quoted that was a scholar. And the reason why I can say that is because the quote came from Pastor Andre Mitchell himself. Amen. Those are my words. And th- think about this. Uh, the, when, when, I, when I actually, went, when, I, when I wrote that, something that I thought about, I grew up in the time where where it was the ending of, the black and white era and the full-on of the color era when it comes to TV. So color TV, so so there were very few programs that I saw as black and white unless they were older. I Love Lucy and uh, Leave It to Beaver and whatever, but this, when I started watching stuff, things were in color. When I started looking back at black and white TV, I kept asking myself, I wonder what color is that dress? The person comes in with a dress, but it's black and white, so everything's gray. I I couldn't tell. But but since I had been exposed to something better, it was hard for me to look at something less because I've seen it in color. So when you've seen it in its full color, it's hard to reduce yourself down to the little things. And when God is painting with a big, broad, beautiful brush, and he's painting all kinds of people, and let me be honest with you, I didn't see good-looking women of every race under the sun. When God put women together, he knew exactly what he was doing. Fine all the way around. But if you take just one of them out of the equation, you mess up the whole painting. If if, if you take the Mona Lisa and you tell the painter of the Mona Lisa, we're going to strip away all the red, you can't use the red. The Mona Lisa won't be the Mona Lisa because whatever he used to paint it, he needs everything to paint it. And when you tell people that they are devalued by the color of their skin, you're messing with God's beautiful painting. You cannot mess with his painting, so don't strip me of my color. Don't strip me of my culture. Don't tell me where I came from is not important. Don't tell me it doesn't make a a difference because we're all saved. Yes, we're all saved, but everything that I have is important because it makes me who I am. Let me add this. That's why the scripture says that all things work together for good. So even the color of your mistakes makes you the painting that you are. And some of y'all are looking back on your life and wish you could you, you, you could just get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. But God uses all that to paint the beautiful masterpiece that's called Y-O-U. Everything that God uses is beautiful. And it's all, the scripture says it's all beautiful in its time. When God gets done painting, it will all be beautiful. All right, we're going to keep on going. Revelation 5, 9. This shows us the beauty of
1: it. Read. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language. And people and nation. This would
0: not be in the scripture
1: if every tribe, every
0: people, and every language was unimportant. They are all important. And then here when you get to the end of the book, it says that they were excited because God brought everybody back. But not just the black folk. Not just the white folk. But every tribe, every language, every tongue. Every gender, every orientation, God found a way to redeem us all. The beauty of the gospel is that all of us can be found in Christ. All right, let's look at verse 10.
1: And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth.
0: With our raggedy human selves, God has a plan to take us who are nothing but redeem us, wash us, and make us a kingdom of priests who will reign on the earth. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and God is going to have us reigning, uh, uh, reflecting who he is, and he's not going to have a whole bunch of people who look the same vote the same, think the same. He's going to have diversity because when he died on the cross, he died for everybody. Yes. So you cannot come on the other side of the cross and start devaluing people and saying it doesn't matter. No, uh-uh. I am, I'm black and I'm proud. And whatever color and ethnicity you are, gender you are, be happy how God made you because at the end of the day, he's going to redeem us all through his son. It picks up the same, uh, the same understanding in the next two verses. Let's read those.
1: After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands.
0: You mean it ain't going to be just Americans? We act like America, the only people that say, God bless America. But God wants to bless America. He wants to bless China. He wants to bless Italy because he he cares about the entire world because he died for the entire world. There's nothing wrong with you being proud of where you come from as long as you don't devalue someone else from where they come from. Or preach the message because we're all in Christ. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter if you grew up in Holocaust, Germany, your experience is important to me because I don't understand what that's like. If I grew up from ancestors who are slaves, my experience is important. Don't be telling me, oh, all y'all do is talk about race. No, no, it's important to show you how God brought me to the place that I am. So once we understand that, the world can see us coming together. But as of yet, The church is still struggling. But at least this scripture lets us know there's coming a day where every race and tongue will be excited. Did you read verse 10? If not, go ahead and read that.
1: And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You mean all these people from
0: all these backgrounds are going to come together and they're going to have one statement. Salvation belongs to our God. Not, not, not salvation came for the president I voted for or the color of my skin or my gender or my orientation. No, salvation came from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Salvation came when somebody got on the cross and died for my sin. And there's coming a day where the entire world will be able to say salvation belongs to God. Do you understand the actual name Jesus, which comes out of Joshua, which comes out of Yahashua, which comes all the way back to Yahweh, uh, or actually not Yahweh, but Yeshua. It all all it means is the Lord saves. The Lord saves everybody. He saves drug addicts. He saves winos. He saves prostitutes. He saves rich folk. He saves black folk. He saves white folk. He saves skinny folk. He saves fat folk. He saves gay folk. He saves straight folk. He saves everybody because his blood, it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength, it will never, never, never Loses power. Amen. So then, Pastor Andre, if that's true, why are you talking about it then? Because we can lose our power being stupid and fooling around when we should be focusing on the blood that makes us all somebody special. Amen. Help me preach, Mama. All right, let's, uh, when you put, put this up, now we're going to go a little deeper in, in history because I, I got I to point some things out. Color changing. So we talk about colorblind. Colorless, colorblind and colorless are very similar because basically what it does, it, it strips people of their diversity. But then there's color changing. This is a little more heinous. Let's read the statement that we have for this. The things we are silent about, the enemy has room to lie about. So if we don't talk about it, the enemy will get in and he can change stuff and Line. I'm going to give us a quote and then I'll, I'll tell you something that's going on right now in our day and age. The identification of Christianity with Europe and not Africa was falsely propagated by white European scholars in modernity, which means in the modern era. So one of the things that is going on and one of the reasons why you don't see young people, specifically African-American young people and specifically black males coming to church like they used to because there's a big lie that Christianity is the white man's religion. And the problem is the way things were done, it makes people believe the lie because it almost looks like it's true because people did some heinous things. So now we we got to pick up a few of these things, and then, then we're going to show how that that pendulum is swinging back in the correct direction. <laughs> so, just give me a little moment. Actually, I'm going to read all these verses because I, I I can do it without uh, taking too much time. So, I, I'll, I'll read these verses, give you a, a a break, Sister Mitchell. So, let's pick up Genesis 10:6. It says this: It says, "The sons of Ham, which is Cush, Egypt." Put, and Canaan. So when you, when you get after the flood, the flood, uh, you, you, you're looking at Noah and the flood. You're, you're looking around uh, Genesis 8. When you come around Genesis 10, they've come through the flood, and there's three major sons of Noah, and that's how the earth is populated, is Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And all of humanity come from those three lines. As they begin to study, as scholars begin to study, they say that the African people come from the line of Ham. There's a story about Ham being cursed. So even way back in the day, people used that heinously and evilly and full of hatred. They said that blacks should be in slavery because they were cursed by God. Totally not true. Now, some people have done it falsely. Other people knew exactly what they were doing. They knew what the scripture said, and they twisted it. So we've got to fix some of these things because if we don't, it will, what we're going to do, we're going to lose a whole generation. Because one of the worst things that happens now is we got the internet, which there's some good stuff out there on the internet, but people can lie on the internet and people will believe anything. So I got to tell you the truth, and so you know. And when, when once I start saying some of this stuff, you're gonna you're gonna think about some of the things, and we have to course correct. We got to figure out how to change it. So we're gonna uh, look at verse seven. I'm only gonna point out the things I haven't read because because let's be honest, some of these names in the Bible we ain't got, you know we don't know what them they are. We don't know how to pronounce all of them. So. I'm going to say it real quick, but I'm going to focus on the one that's in red. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Rama, Sabteca, the sons of Rama: Sheba, and Dedan. Do I know if I pronounce all those right? I have no idea, but that's the best I can do. So let's, let's, let's point up, would you put it back up and solid it real quick? So Havilah, what's important about Havilah, it's a son of Cush, but the first time you hear the word Havilah is when the Bible talks about the Garden of Eden. And he says, in the Garden of Eden before the fall, there were four major rivers. There was the Tigris and the Euphrates River, there was the Pishon River, and then there was a river of Havilah. So, Havilah, when you look at it, it was not in what we call Israel, it was closer to Africa. So, it means that the Garden of Eden was started not in Britain, not in England. But it was started in an African context. Uh, back in that day, it would be called Afro-Asiatic, that, what we call the Middle East now. It, that's where civili- civilization started. It started there. So can, can I ask one question back to the person who's lying to some of these people? How could it be a white man's religion only if civilization started there? That's the first thing you have to ask yourself. Let's continue to read. But now let's see, why, why do people keep thinking that? Let's continue to read. This is Remember, we're in something called color changing. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. So Cush, dark-skinned person. Cush is the same word for Ethiopia. Dark-skinned person, fathers of somebody named Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. The Bible says he was the first on earth to be a mighty man. But when you were little in Sunday school, how many of y'all heard a story or seen a picture of Nimrod? Didn't nobody write nothing about Nimrod, but it says he was the first to be a mighty man. Wouldn't you think somebody would bring that up? Okay, maybe not. We don't know why they didn't do it. Maybe it was just an oversight. Let's keep on going. Let's look at Genesis 10, 10. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Calneh in the land of Shinar. Wait a second, Babel, you mean the Tower of Babel? So, so where we get Babylon? You mean, I've been reading all this stuff in the Bible for years, but nobody told me they were connected to African people. Why, why, why was that hidden? Maybe it was just an oversight. So let's keep on reading. Genesis 10, 11. From that land, talking about Nimrod, he went into Assyria and built Nineveh. Rehoboth, Ur, Kala, and, but wait a second. Now, now I I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt, but what I remember about Nineveh when I was young, that was the place that Jonah was running from. That's where he didn't want to go, and then God told him, I want you to go to Nineveh, and then he got into the well, and he got to Nineveh. But when I read that story as a child in the book, everybody in Nineveh was white. Jonah was white. They almost wanted to make the whale white. Everybody in the picture book. But according to the scripture, he came from Cush. So why wouldn't you paint him or draw him closer to historical accuracy? Maybe it's just an oversight. Let's keep on reading. Egypt fathered Ludum, Anaman, Lehaban, Naphthahim, Pathism, Kalashim, from whom the Philistines or the Philistines came and captured him. All right, so I got that in red. The Philistines, the Philistines, that's everybody that David was fighting and that going on. So that means Goliath, the Philistine, was from the line of Cush. How many times have you looked in one of those stories when you were young and seen a black Goliath? David was white, Goliath was white, all the other. Wait a second, maybe this is just an oversight. Or, like it was quoted, maybe some of the scholars knew what they were doing and purposely stripped the color away and didn't tell the real story. Why? Why would they do that? Because what it does later on, it messes up people because now Satan can lie to them and say that God is not for everybody. He's only for a certain group. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But these same people, when they look at all these stories, all they've ever seen is people that do not look like them. But if they were historically accurate, they would have done it different. Why did they do it? It's because of the devil. That's why, because what the devil knew is we would come to this day late in life. There would be all this racial tension, and instead of being able to look to Jesus to cut through all that racial tension, now we have all this historical inaccuracy that is making people leave Christianity by the droves because somebody lied to them. And guess what? God was upset with it then, and he upset with it now. And it's our job to fix it. All right, let's continue to read. Let's look at this, Genesis 10, 15 through 18. Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gersites, the Hibba. Hibba, Wait a second. All them people that Israel was fighting, all them ites, all them came out of the line of Cush. Canaan, Canaan land. All these stories that we grew up on, why didn't people tell us they were connected? Now, here's something else I got to say. One of our problems is why didn't we read it for ourselves? Why didn't we just believe what somebody else tell us? Why didn't we get into the scripture and look at it for ourselves? It's not, these aren't my words. These are the Bible words. Let's, let's go uh, one more and then we'll try, we'll try to give you some history and uh, paint it all together. And the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza and in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Admah, Zeboim as far as Laisha. All these major places that we've heard about in our life, we had no idea they were connected to the line of the person that was supposed to be the African, the dark-skinned. Now, Africa uh, is a continent. It's not a country, so not everybody looks as dark as me. There was variation, but it's just the understanding that people did not tell the truth. Now, here's something to point out. I'm not trying to make... Black skin automatically better because if you see the people I'm pointing out, they were the ones causing all the trouble in the Bible. So it's not about the skin color. It's about the historical accuracy. Because, all right, so let, let's, let's see if I can, I can keep going to help us get just a little deeper and show you some more. Let's put up, put up this picture. I'm going to put up two pictures. they're going to have the same thing written on the side. One of the most well-known scholarly and quoted figures of the early church, St. Augustine. St. Augustine of Hippo. He was born 354 to 430 A.D. You see that picture? Just look at it real quick, just for a second. All right. Now let's put up another picture. Same words. One of the most well-known scholarly and quoted figures of the early church, St. Augustine, 354 to 430 But he looked a little bit different. When you study St. Augustine, his mother was African. His mother was from an African place called Bieber. His father was Roman. And when you look up images of St. Augustine, there are some that have a whole lot fairer skin. Why? Let's put the pictures back up again. Let's go to the first one. Now... You can't tell fully his ethnicity there, but it looked like he mixed with something, at least there. Go to the next one. You can't fully tell his ethnicity, but he got like red hair and long hair. It's just like, why did everything have to be changed? Why can't you just say what it really was? And Let's put up this this picture. This is a picture that's very interesting. It's a picture of a Jesus that we commonly see, but somebody taking a brush and erasing the color from the picture. Now, how did it happen? I can explain some of it. It's something called white supremacy. We understand that. We understand the history. But that's not the issue. The issue was that's what the world was doing. The issue was in the church, nobody stopped it. Nobody stood up and said, no, this, 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 this can't be that. It's not, it's not that color is the most important thing, but history is important. And if we want people to embrace the true message, we have to be honest. And so most of us grew up with a white Jesus. And it didn't bother us because we we love the Lord. But it wouldn't have hurt us to see a dark-skinned Jesus too. How about you just take where he grew up at and paint the most historically accurate of them all. He may not have been as dark as me. But he problem wasn't as light as Joe Biden. It's going to be somewhere in between. All we had to do is do it right. And that's why many people in the world laugh at the church because they're saying you're you're worshiping a fake, false God. He's not fake and not false. He's real. But we did such a horrible job with the truth. So that's called color changing. Now, as we come to a close, this is what we're going to put up. We call this. Color correction. Somebody say color correction. Color correction. So now we, we, we've got to correct some things. So one thing you, you, many of you don't know that when you watch television, especially these high-def TV shows and movies, they all have color correction. They have correcting so that they can bring out things. So when you're looking at me right now with these uh, the cameras that are on me, It's slightly color corrected because you have to take a lot of money to have full color correction. So that's why when you watch some of those high def TVs, everything pops out because they did what they call color correction. And they made sure all the colors stood out because when all the colors stand out and they blend together, it makes a much better picture. One of the things that they do in high def uh, pictures, they are really concerned about the blacks and the grays. In the picture, I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the actual color, black and gray, because it makes the red and the blue, it makes it all pop. So if the blacks were given the proper glory and the whites were given the proper glory and the Jews and the Mexicans, if they were given the proper glory, everybody would have popped like high def. We would have understood that Jesus was the king of the world. But because we minimize people and downplay people, what we got is a messy picture. But with color correction, we fixing the picture. Give you another quick example. So when, when they do a movie, sometimes because of the time that they're taping, the sky is gray. But the story they're trying to tell is not of a gray sky. So what they do, they digitally... Make the sky blue, so they, so it doesn't look like grace. In other words, if someone's skipping in the garden. You don't want a dark sky. You want it to be light. So they color correct it so it looks better so everybody would enjoy it. And what God is trying to do to the church is color correct us and get us right back so that the blacks feel just as important as the whites. The whites feel just as important as the blacks. The Asians feel just as important. God is color correcting his whole glory because the Bible says he's coming back for a church without spot a wrinkle. He's not coming back for a racist church. He's not coming back for a fighting church. So he's got to do some correction. But when he corrects us, oh, we're gonna pop, and the world is gonna figure out the answer is God. I got I got one question before I move on because I I, I want to get us out of here. I wonder. If the church was where we were supposed to be, I wonder how different the pandemic would have been if we were where we were supposed to be. There are certain things that hit the entire earth that drive men and women to say, what must I do to be saved? And something hit the entire world and the church was so jacked up that we barely, we, we barely grew or did anything else. It could have been one of the greatest revivals we've ever seen because we had never been in something that hit the entire globe at the same time. And we fumbled the ball because we was worried about who you voting for and who who you this and that. If we get another opportunity, church, we better be ready to do the right thing. And that's why in this church, I don't care what background you come from, you are welcome in this church because we're going to do life together. All right. Got to get us moving. Let's, let's, Let's put up the statement for this. Until we are willing to collectively call out and correct what's been done, those who need the message the most will reject it based on historical accuracy alone. Until we get up, and when I say we, I'm talking about all of us, but really, it takes us pastors and preachers. Getting up, talking about what's been wrong, talking about how we messed up, how we fumbled the ball, and get up and saying, listen, we messed up in some areas, but hey, we're getting our act together, and it's time for y'all to come on, because listen, this train is moving. And so some things are happening, they're happening all across the country. Let me put up this quote and we just seen it. This piggybacks over of what we just saw. The whitewashing of Jesus over centuries has gone hand in hand with the whitewashing of the Christian faith in general. Chine McDonald. This is a black writer. But I want you to put this picture up. This is Pastor Stephen Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama. You know where birmingham what 's important about Birmingham is where the bus boycotts were, where Martin Luther King was and, and Rosa Parks and how they turned that thing around and now there 's a white pastor who 's standing up, and he 's not the only one. There are many young pastors who are white who are standing up and are champing in diversity, champing multiculturalism, and telling the truth and what 's happening is things are starting to shift and turn in the right corner here 's the problem. If only black people talk about it, people will say we have an agenda. If I'm the only one who talks about things being whitewashed, it looks like, it, it, it doesn't seem right because it looks like, well, you're black. You, you obviously, you'll say that. But see, white pastors are rising up. Indian pastors are rising up. You, you, it's something happening called deconstructing. It, Christianity is actually being deconstructed, and people are ripping it apart, but it's being rebuilt back. The way God wants it to be. And people are rising up all over. And I'm telling you, in a few short years, we're going to see a church that's so vibrant and so strong. And I'm not talking about this individual church. I'm talking about the collective church. It won't be political parties being able to rip us apart. It won't be genders being able to rip us apart and colors. We are coming together. So here, here's this man who wrote a very candid thing. So the rest of the time, I'll, I'll be quoting actually from him, from his article. He wrote this in a 2018 paper. So this is not something that just happened. People, for the last decade, people have been trying to change the narrative. So it was February 16, 2018. Go back to the picture real quick so I can point out, point out just the, the date. February 16, 2018. So almost, what, what, what is this, February 20th? This was almost uh, uh, what four years ago. To the date he talks about the african church fathers all right let's let 's begin to read this Augustine, which is one of the v- first pictures I showed you, that guy Augustine, Bishop of the African city of Hippo, may be the most influential Christian thinker in the church's history outside of the biblical writers him- themselves. His writings help give definition, clarity, and shape to the early church's theology on topics such as original sin predestination and the nature of man. Augustine also spoke into topics such as sexual ethics and the evil of slavery way back. We're not talking about modern slavery way back. He talked about the evil of slavery. However, Augustine is only one of the African church fathers whom the church is indebted. The African beginnings of the early church cannot be overstated Christianity was birthed in Israel, but was nursed in the cradle of Africa. Next thing Christianity spread to Africa in mass, which means fast, in large, in a massive way, by at least the second century AD. In Acts 8, our Bible will tell us this, Philip encounters the Ethiopian eunuch whom he baptizes. From there, the gospel spread to Africa, and African thinkers began influencing the theology of the early church. Let me pause and say something about this. There's no historical way it can be true that Christianity is the white man's religion. It's just a lie. Because number one, after it left... Israel, the closest place to Israel was Africa. It spread right there. It was already there long before, and this is what they'll say. They'll say that the colonizers came over and they brought uh, Bibles and they stole the land. Some of that is true, but some of that was Africa's fault because Africans knew about God long before Europe ever knew about God. But there's something called the the, the wars, there was something in Islam, when Islam came through, and Islam is 700 years after uh, Christianity, so you can believe in Islam if you want to, but it's a whole lot later, and they came and they did things. And so all these things that we're battling now to get people to believe is just because they don't know and they don't understand. But guess who's now getting up and clearing, calling, championing it? White pastors all across the world are getting up, Indian pastors, like I said, Asian pastors are getting up and we're color correcting and getting stuff back right. And now when people reject Jesus, it's going to be their fault. It ain't going to be the church's fault. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. Got, got a few more things to read just to give us some, some background. Now I had heard of Augustine, but it was a long time before I ever knew he was African or had any African roots. Cause all of pictures I've seen. I had a book of Augustine and he was white as snow. I had no idea. So let's look at this. We are indebted to Augustine Tertullian and Athanasius for shaping the theology of the early church. Tertullian he's from 160 to 225 AD. Athanasius 293 to 373. Augustine 354 to 430. To give you an example Paul died some around around 90. So After we get through the biblical writers, there was a whole group of people that influenced what we do now in church, and many of them were right in Africa. All right, let's continue to read. Tertullian was the first known theologian to coin the term Trinitas, meaning Trinity, to explain the Godhead. Athanasius, among many other contributions, made clear the biblical canon in his festal letter in 369 AD. They Gave so much to the church. Let's continue to read. The African fathers combat a common misconception that Christianity is a white man's religion. Once again, this is not me saying it. This is Pastor Steve saying it. This could not be further from the truth. Christianity has a rich African heritage that led to the conversion of Europe to Christianity, not the other way around. It's not that when Europe got Christianity and took it over in Africa when they colonized Africa, that's not the first time Africans heard about God. It was for centuries. It was for years and the stuff we do we have contributed to this, uh, this kingdom. We have contributed. It's just Somebody just needs to get up and tell it and tell the truth. Alright, we're going to continue to read. I love his candor and his truth. For one, It can be easy to whitewash church history as a white guy from Alabama, being from Alabama. Though I knew Jesus was Jewish, I pictured him as a white guy, someone who looked like me. We do the same with the church fathers. Studying church history will reveal that black history is intricately intertwined with church history. So why would I waste time talking about black history in the church a white pastor just told you why. Because it's intricately intertwined. And once we begin to come back together and people start looking at us, they're going to figure out, oh, we were together a long time ago. We just allowed the devil to separate us, but we're coming back together. All right, here, here's here's the final thing that he says, and then we'll close with a scripture. It's important that we discover or rediscover Black history in our church history. This is not Pastor Andre saying this. This is Pastor Stephen saying this. I'm saying it again. It's important that we discover or rediscover black history in our church history because the contribution of black theologians and pastors have been ignored, overlooked, or downplayed to the detriment of the church. When you strip anything away, like I said before, you mess up the painting. You mess up the full thing. And so now what we're doing, we're pointing back to the fullness of God. Have there been great men from China who contributed to the kingdom? Yes. Uh, Japanese, American, black, white, Mexican. But now we're putting it back on front street that what has been done is amazing. One One of the earliest churches that they ever see in Europe, was a Spanish church. It was in Sp- uh, Portugal, I believe. So it is not about one race. It's not about one people. It's about one God. One, God, one, God. one, Lord, one Lord. One faith. One, faith. one baptism. <clears throat> so as I close, and we'll try to, we'll probably pick up some of this next week. We won't stay beyond February, but we'll pick up some of this next week. But as I close, I close with this scripture. Just say, why, why, would, why would you bring this up, Pastor? Because And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yes, One thing you can count on from me as your pastor, I will always, no matter how uncomfortable it is, I will always get up here and tell you the truth. You. Because it's the truth that sets us free. You, All right, let's 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 stand to our feet. Let's go ahead and put it up, biblical back history. And now, now, now look at this, I changed it. It was called Biblical Black History, but look how I changed it. It's Biblical Black, his story. Because all of our story is really the story of him and his blood in our lives. And that's what makes us important. It's not our ethnicity, which is important. It's not the color of our skin, which is important. It's when we put that all together and we all become a part of his story. All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you and praise you. I apologize for the church being so bad, especially the church in America, being so bad when it comes to race relations. But God, help us in this church be better. Don't let the blacks devalue themselves because of what happened to them, because of the trauma of their past. Let them understand in Christ they are somebody. Don't let the whites, when they hear the things that are going on with the blacks feel like they're less than or they can't join in. Let them join in. Don't let them feel guilty of stuff that they have nothing to do with. Let them understand they can join in with Christ. Let everybody, Mexican, Asian, everybody, got everybody under the sun because you made us all. You breathed your breath in all of us and we all can unite in you. And like the Latin phrase, e pluribus unum, out of many, we can become one. And in the great words of our bishop who always told us, Lord, make us one. Now, Father God, is there anybody under the sound of my voice in the building or watching online who doesn't know you and the pardon of their sins? God, I'm praying that they would pray, pray these words. Father God, come into my heart. Come into my life. Come into my mind. And with the color of your blood, make me the human that I need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. God bless you. You are dismissed. Much love to you all.